Hey, guys. I uh, just want to mention if you want to actually get a hold of us and uh, talk to us, communicate us with us in any way, uh, you can hire a psychic medium. Because um, we, 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 we're dead. We can we can use the email address that we created. Dead people can use email now? No, no. They can use the email to send us emails and tell us what they do or don't like about the show, send us some ideas for cool things to talk about. Also, it's what an would email. be your icebreaker easy. with St. Peter? That would be an interesting That'd thing an to inter- know. Yeah. What would be your icebreaker? <laughs> we want to hear that. Email us at? Uh, John and Rod. What your icebreaker? At gmail.com. What your icebreaker with St. Peter would be? John, John and Rod. Rod at email at gmail.com. <laughs> John and Rod at gmail.com. Dot com. You think dead people would be using AOL.com, but it's wanna hear something cool where we talk about random facts from movies, television, and music, and then put our own little spin and flavor on them. Kind of like ramen noodles. Like the facts are just <laughs> bland ass ramen noodles, but we're the beef seasoning. Is that what it is? Well, I'm the beef seasoning. I think you're the shrimp seasoning. I don't like that yeah, idea. That's how it is. That's how it is. Okay. Uh, first one, movie facts. Movie. What's yours? Um, I will tell you what mine is. Um, today I want to talk about the PG thirteen rating. Okay. I, I know a little bit of the history of the PG thirteen rating. Well, I think it's very interesting. Um in the early eighties, a number of movies came out that were PG that parents that parents flipped out about. They said they were too violent. Too graphic, uh, so they were demand. You know the the ratings. What is it? MPAA. Or, the MPAA. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they they were writing letters and threatening boycotts. It actually and, stands for the Motherfuckers Association of America, but it's fuckers with PH. Like fish. Without the F, so it's yeah. actually okay to say on air. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Um, like I said, people were really upset about it, and they said these movies are too violent, and it, it wasn't so much sexual content or anything. It was violence, and uh, people were outraged. One of the big ones uh, that came out in 83 was The Outsiders, yeah, which is a great movie. The graphic violence, but it's, cussing, yeah, children violence, cussing. Right, smoking. They were smoking. I mean, we Henry and I watched the Back to the Future movies, uh, I guess, Friday night. Yeah, and, and a little bit yesterday, and I'm because it's PG. Yeah, the first one is PG, and he says shit. He says shit a lot. Yeah, he says it a lot. Tabitha, we watched him with Roman, my son, and and Tabitha, my wife, did the same thing. Like halfway through, she's like, he keeps swearing. I'm like, would you shut up and enjoy <laughs> the damn movie? Yeah, no, the scene where Doc says, when this thing hits 88 miles an hour, you're gonna uh, see some serious shit. I'm yeah. sitting on the couch, and I and I said it along with him. Right. Quote along, you're going to see some serious, serious shit. shit. And Katie was there, and she's like, Jonathan! I was like, it's a PG movie, Katie. <laughs> Get off my ass. So anyways, um, in 1984, Gremlins and Temple of the Doom. Temple, Temple of, of Doom. Doom. Yep. The Temple of... I'm sorry, I have a cold that I'm fighting. I'm all hopped up on Sudafed, so... <clears throat> it, it this is the weirdest side effect of Sudafed ever. It makes you confuse of and the. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm a little out of it. So anyway, it's got to be really weird is, when you say like Return of the Jedi, but you say Return the of Jedi. Yeah, yeah. that's totally what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so in May, uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom came out, and audiences, parents were just upset. 
That was, you know, like the the almost the straw that broke the camel's back. And then in uh, June, Gremlins hit the theater, and parents really lost their mind, and they demanded something be done. So this PG thirteen rating was created directly because of those two movies, mostly. What, what was it? It was Gremlins and Temple of Doom. Yeah, I thought Temple of Doom was the first one that was PG thirteen. No, oh, no, it was huh. actually. It See, was, I thought that was the story. It was actually PG. The first movie ever to receive a PG thirteen rating was Red Dawn. No, and I actually the reason I brought this up is I, I watched think. Red Dawn the other day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, and they're constantly shooting people. I mean, you know, it's yeah, a war, but movie. it's just violence. But yeah, that's yeah. just it. It was violence that put him over the top. We're so made... weird in this country. I know it was so weird, but I mean, the violence should put it over the top. The cussing should not. You wouldn't think so. So if the violence put over the top, that's one instance where I actually agree with the MPAA on their rating. Violence should be in a category that children don't see as much. A cussing, who cares? They ride in a car with their parents. The parents are going to cuss. Or they overhear their parents. It's not a big deal. Cussing isn't that big of a deal. Even, I'm not saying graphic sex, but even like, you know, two people kissing and then panties drop, you know, but you only see them from the legs down. That classic shot. Big deal. But we can't have that. But, you know, can now, have somebody getting their head cut off. What I do fine. think is interesting about The Outsiders mm-hmm. is it came out in 83, a year before PG-13 was created. But if you go right now to the internet and look up The Outsiders, it'll tell you it's a PG-13 movie. Really? Yeah. Probably because they rated that later yeah, for the VHS. Yeah, went back. Yeah. For, yeah. But yeah. How great was Ralph Macchio in that? <laughs> Just getting hit right in the face of that burning timber from the church collapsing on him. That's when God is coming for you, brother. The thing that got me the most upset about that movie when I went back and watched it Mm -hmm. is uh, Pony Boy didn't do a damn thing. No, but he stayed golden. Pony Boy did nothing. That's how we stay golden. Yeah, but he shouldn't have been running. He shouldn't have been on the run. He shouldn't have been like all this in trouble. And he didn't do anything. Right. Ralph Macchio is the guy that stuck somebody. That's true. And in all actuality, that was done in self-defense. And that's why God collapsed that church on him and hit him (laughs) in the face with a burning timber. (laughs) Take that, Karate Kid. Uh, my movie fact is about the Ghostbusters. Um, I, I love this. Ivan Reitman, during the middle of the film's release, uh, like as the movie had been released and during its screenings and everything, uh, it you know, like any movie, even though it was hugely successful, hugely popular, the um, the people stopped going as much. So to get interest back in the movie, he put out that commercial. That's in the middle of the Ghostbusters movie where, you know, if you have a problem. Oh, the you, bad. Yeah. yeah. The bad. Uh, it's like a late night auto. Right. Call used it, salesman. Yeah. Used car salesman. Call 555 yeah, yeah, bust yeah. or whatever it is. But they changed it to 1-800 and then a number. It actually dialed a real number. Okay. It was, uh, what was the number? one. It was uh, 1-800-BUSTERS. And you could dial it. And then Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd would be uh, on there as a voicemail saying, right. hey, guys, we're out busting because busting makes us feel good or whatever. <laughs> and Because uh, busting makes us feel good. They got 1,000 calls per hour, 24 hours a day for six weeks. Really? Yeah. It's so cool. And by the way, I found out, and it makes sense when you watch the movie, too, almost all the lines in the movie were ad-libbed. Almost all of them. Like, really? Every single one. Like, uh, where... 
uh, Rick Moranis is at the party and he's going around saying, hey, yeah, uh, I made sure to get that shrimp uh, 20 bucks off over there and I get tax exempt status because it's some kind of sea fowl or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whatever his garbage is he said. I only invited clients instead of friends to this so I could write it off. Uh, all of that, all of that was totally made up. All really? Of that, yeah. That's fantastic. So the greatest line ever said in a movie is the line where he says, Everything was fine until this dickless wonder pulled yep. the plug. Yep. And he said, is that true? And he's like, yeah, this man has no dick. That's exactly That it. was an ad-lib That was ad That is the greatest line ever. They, they had, it was very much like Curb Your Enthusiasm. They had an idea. Like right. in the scene, an outline, basic he outline. The, he pulled the plug on the uh, container thing, so you guys are really pissed off at him, and you're trying to explain to the mayor that it's not your fault that all the ghosts are getting out. Go. And they would just that's Now I love that movie even yeah. more. Yeah. I love that movie anyways. Well, and, and just the whole- that's one big ass Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fu- by the way, Eddie Murphy was supposed to be in the movie. In fact, that role was initially written for him. Really, but he turned it down for whatever reason because he's an idiot. Yeah, and uh, so they they said, okay, well, we'll just pare down the role and give it to Ernie Hudson, who was great. No, oh, he was fantastic. Even in- for it. Yep. So. Very cool. What? Uh, let's do a TV. You want to do that? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll lead off TV. Okay. I just, what do you got? Well, the series premiere, because I don't think the other episodes have been posted on Hulu yet, but the series premiere for 11 Oh, I'm dying to see that. Oh, dude. The, the series premiere was released uh, at least a couple days ago. I, I don't know. But they're not doing the Netflix thing of releasing everything at once. They're making me fucking wait for it. Oh, are they really? Yeah. See, now I never understood why... Like, I get that that's what Netflix does, and that's the appeal of Netflix is binge-watching. Yeah. But when they redid and brought back uh, Arrested Development, I didn't understand why, why not release a couple episodes at a time. Right. Because it was a huge story for three days, and then everybody had seen it, and it was over. Build up anticipation. Yeah. And then get a get a payoff. And I, I said that from the beginning, that that was the reason why people did not like that fourth season as much, even though I thought the fourth season was brilliant, right. was because there was no anticipation. People just watched the whole thing as one big straight through, and it was like, okay. Well, and it wasn't designed for that anticipation. It was designed that it was just going to roll right into each other. Right. So it wasn't as Yeah, good. I thought if you did like two, three episodes at a time, mm-hmm. then you would have a chance to build it up and get people that didn't find out till later or maybe that weren't fans of the show originally keep hearing hype about it. Start watching it. It seems like a great idea. Yeah. I mean, the best shows are still shows that are on once a week. Yeah. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, uh, Orange is New Black, Katie and I watched that. I liked the first season or two of House of Cards, pretty good. I think of other Netflix shows that I like. Oh, uh, F is for Family. Have you seen yeah. that? The Bill Burr show? No. Hilarious. I it, but I haven't watched it. But I think it, it would have only, Burr, it would have been better, though they couldn't show it on broadcast TV because it's. Watched just, a weird show on there called Sense Eight that was actually really cool. Was that good? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, but they couldn't have shown it on network television because it's it's very foul mouth, yeah. like HBO or whatever. But I think the best shows are still the ones that you have to wait for. I like the anticipation. Anyway, eleven twenty two sixty three. In case you don't know, is this J.J. Uh, Abrams, Stephen uh, King, Stephen King, yeah, James Franco thing about J.J. James- Abrams, who's amazing, yeah. And Stephen King. Save Star Wars. Who Stephen King has done some crap, but he's, he's okay. done a lot of really good stuff. Stephen King too. has done so much stuff that it doesn't matter what he does from now on. He could just <laughs> he could literally just publish pictures of him taking a big old shit 
on a statue of a baby. I think he has. Uh, he has? I think he has, yeah. <laughs> Stephen King's shitting on various <laughs> statues of babies around the country. It's a coffee table book. It's not a novel. <laughs> you just thumb through it, but it's very fascinating. Uh, anyway, so this TV show or, or miniseries, whatever it is, it's about James Franco uh, and Chris Cooper, who was the angry military dad from American Beauty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Cooper owns this diner, and there's this secret time portal in it that takes you back to September something, 1960. And Chris Cooper is obsessed with going back and stopping the Kennedy assassination. And he tries to get James Franco to go along with him, and eventually James Franco does. And it's amazing. It is a... It's there like any movie and or, or TV show involving time travel. There's a lot of freaking holes in it. Yeah, but it's really good because the cool thing about it is when James Franco goes back, if he tries to change the past, then and to quote the TV show, the past fucks with you. So if he's trying to call his dad at one point from the phone booth, his dad had just died. So he's trying to call him from the past when obviously he'd still be alive. Right. And he can't get through like there's a bunch of static on the line. So he gets out of the phone booth and then he goes, I'm going to try again. Walks back towards the phone booth, and then a car just plows right through it. Upends, and the woman like falls out of it, like dead. So the past is literally killing people to try to get him to try to continue the timeline, right? To try to 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 prevent him from right, changing from anything. Changing. So it's That's a really cool show. But uh, this is just one of those like crazy random fact type of things that I like. So now just, this is actually on Hulu. Not it's on Netflix. Hulu. Yeah, it's not on Netflix. It's on Hulu. But, you know, same kind of platform. Well, Hulu hasn't had the ex- the success that Netflix has had yet. Yeah, with, to me, we're, we're very much, it's like content. the late 80s or early 90s with Netflix and Hulu, where Netflix is HBO and Hulu Cinemax yeah. without the porn. Uh, <laughs> the saving <laughs> well, grace. I, I would think of it more as Showtime, because Showtime kept trying to make original shows. Yeah, yeah. And they were okay, or they were, eh, eh, and then they finally started to get success. Not really till Dexter and yeah. stuff, you know. And even what, what have they done lately? I don't. Uh, no, I, don't I hear know. there's a new show. Eh, I'm probably it's, I'm probably wrong. I think it's Billions or something. Never heard of it. That a lot of people are saying it's right. really good. But you're right. Dexter was on Showtime. That was good. Yeah. Anyway, so just follow me on this because it's it's weird okay. and it's it's cool. But it, you have to follow me on this. Uh, James Franco is in eleven twenty two sixty three. Uh, Franco played Harry Osborn in Spider-Man, in Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Right. Uh, Chris Cooper, the angry dad from right. uh, of American Beauty, played Norman Osborn, Harry's father, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 that came out in 2014 that nobody saw because it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, appearing as Ben Parker in their respective films were Cliff Robertson, who looks like John Voight, and I thought that was John Voight. In the original, doesn't yeah. that look like John motherfucking yeah, boy? It really does. It's, yeah. Apparently, that guy's name is Cliff Robertson and Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen and Cliff Robertson have also played John F. Kennedy. Interesting. It's just a big circle jerk of Hollywood stuff. I don't know. I love facts <laughs> like that. I know maybe it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but I, I just I love stuff like that. That's interesting. Like, I, you know what I love? I love watching a movie where there's two people in it who've been in other stuff before. Like anything with you know James Franco and and Jason Segel or Segel or whatever, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, come on guys, reference Freaks and Geeks. Come yeah, on, do it, come do on. it, do, do it. it. You were in that, do it. Yeah, no, just- I have. You know some of those real quick. You know some of those weird uh, internet theories about movies and stuff that has nothing to do with the movie, but fans of these movies have come up with these theories. Like mm-hmm. there's one about which I have to admit makes perfect sense to me that. Um, 
Sean Connery in The Rock is actually still playing James Bond just years later. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that. I can see that. And uh, anyways, I came up with one the other day that dawned on me. I was watching, I saw the movie Deadpool. Van Wilder is Deadpool. Van Wilder finally left college and had no idea what he was going to do. So he joined the military and became this brutal killer, went through all this terrible stuff. And then we come back to his life where he's changed his name and he's now Wade Wilson. And and I can see that. I, I never saw Van Wilder. Really? But, yeah, I never saw it. It's actually it. really funny. I've heard it's good. I, I just haven't watched it. But have you seen Waiting? Yeah. With Ryan Reynolds? You could say the exact same thing. That's true. That he got sick of banging See, high school chicks. Maybe right after college, he became a waiter right. at the Applebee's, and then he got tired of that, because how awful would that be? And that's when he joined the military. Joined the military. I changed think, his name I think to what Wade. we could just say is that Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah. Like, nobody else could play. <laughs> I don't think anybody else has been more born to play a role, other than Pierce Brosnan playing James Bond. Deadpool because is really funny. Because Pierce Brosnan, dude. to me, looks exactly like James yeah. Bond looks in your head. I know that there have been better James Bonds, right. but I don't think anybody looked like James Bond is supposed to look more than Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Uh, he kind of was the epitome of that Yeah, I mean, character. even when before James, yeah. before the, the, he was the, in the, Remington Steel. Remington Steel, yeah. You were like, this guy is going to be James, James Bond one Bond, day. Yeah. yeah. And it was a no-brainer. Uh, here's my TV fact, and, and I think you'll find this one interesting. Um, the Danny Carvey Show. Dana Carvey? Dana Carvey okay. Show. Did I say that wrong? You said Danny Carvey. Oh, sorry. It's the cold. <laughs> yeah, let's just blame it on the studio. The Dana Carvey show, which should have been this great show, uh, came out in 1996. We're signed to 10 episodes, and it's going to be this fan. You know, Dana Carvey was huge on SNL, and it's going to be this huge show. Seven episodes, and the network was like, no, you're done. This sucks. It was on after Home Improvement. That it was, was on after Home Improvement. Part of the problem right there. You're following there. Tim Allen, Sans Coke, <laughs> make, you know, dishwasher jokes and family jokes and Jonathan fucking Taylor Thomas and all the kids. Yeah. Of course, that show, because you look at the talent that was on the Dana Carvey show. Well, that's that's the thing that gets me. The writing team, the head writer on the Dana Carvey show was Louis C.K. The writing team included... Charlie Kaufman, Louis C.K., Bob Odenkirk. Okay, wait. Let's just slow down. And by Louis C.K., everybody knows huge comic. Right. Um, Robert Schmeigel, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Right. Also, Saturday TV Funhouse on Saturday Night Live. Funhouse started on Dana Carvey. Ace show. and Gary started on Dana Carvey. Show. Right. Um, Bob Odenkirk. If you don't know Bob Odenkirk, you haven't watched Better, Better Call, Call Saul, Saul or yeah. Breaking. It's a Sudafed. Uh, Better Call Sudafed. <laughs> Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Uh, who else is on there? Uh, Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Uh, being John Malkovich, uh, an adaptation. Um, I think he's got a TV show now, but I don't remember what it is. But yeah, amazing. He's one of those guys that you'd know him if you saw him. Yeah, amazing screenwriter. You, um, you know his work if you're watching it. Uh, which I, I think this is kind of funny, and I can't pronounce the guy's name. It's Dino Stanatopoulos. Stanatopoulos. Starburns, if you watch. Starburns, Community, yeah. yeah. Which has actually got tons of writing credits and mm-hmm. is a very funny guy. But yeah, I know him best as Starburns He did. Community. He also uh, helped write the new season of with uh, Bob and David. Have you seen the new Mr. Show? No, I heard it's Oh, on, it's on Netflix, dude. It's hilarious. It. It's, I was so happy to watch it, and it was genuinely funny because Mr. Show is my favorite sketch show oh, of all time. Oh, it's fantastic. 
And I was worried watching it, but I had to like, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like uh, watching a loved one go through surgery. You're like, yeah. okay, come on. Because I guess work. they couldn't call it Mr. Show because no, of they HBO. No, they couldn't. HBO wouldn't let them have but the rights. But it's the so same thing, right? With Bob and David. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they even referenced that a couple times in the show that they can't do it. But yeah, Dino Stanatopoulos, also a writer on that. And that show was great. I was so happy that it was good because we've had Zoolander 2 and Anchorman 2, and anytime they bring back something that didn't do as well as people think it should have like right. 10 or 15 years ago it's always garbage now because right. it just didn't work and well either they're too freaked out about trying to recreate what they did before or just the the magic of whatever it is isn't quite there anymore yeah with bob and david was sincerely hysterical because. i i wasn't just liking it because i like all the people in it, it um, was really also good. in that list steve carell and Stephen Colbert. Right. I don't think, were they writers or were they just... Both. They, they were both they, actors. They, and they, they helped write and they were on the show. It's funny because I never... It, nowadays, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You. Nowadays, the Dana Carvey show is considered to have been ahead of, it, ahead of yeah. its time and this really funny show and they don't know why the network didn't give it a chance. But in 1996, it was a bomb. I remember in 1996, every, I wanted to watch it because I love Dana Carvey. And uh, it was, I think it was on on nights when I had uh, basketball practice or something. I, I never could watch it, and my parents wouldn't tape it, so I never got a chance to see it. But I remember everybody talking about how terrible it was up until a friend of mine in high school, Matt, would like reference it all the time and talk about how it was this great show. It was so funny. And he had no idea the writers behind it. I mean, he didn't know who Louis C.K. and uh, Dean well, Stanley. Right, right. He was just like, no, everybody said that show was garbage, but it was actually really good. And uh, I, I don't know. I, Dana I, Carvey still says in interviews that he's very proud of what that show did. He should be. And he really liked doing it. And just the fact that Carell and Colbert were basically launched off yep. that show. And like you said, TV Saturday TV Funhouse. Well, the other thing is uh, the reason it failed, again, it was following home improvement. It wasn't going to succeed being this crazy sketch show following home improvement. They should have put it on late at night. It should have been ABC's yeah, version. Of but, Saturday Night Live. I mean, they, they yeah. tried that with Fridays back in the 80s, and it was terrible. But they should have just said, screw it. Let's put this on late at night and let them have some freedom. Because Robert Smigel and Louis C.K. and Dina Stanatopoulos were also writers on the Conan O'Brien show. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It, they were the early writers. And the reason that show was so successful was because it was on late at night. You can get away with writing. doing weird sketches about Bill Clinton breastfeeding dogs late at night. <laughs> God, I was going back and watching some Saturday Night Live from the 80s the other day. They do. They did stuff back in the 80s that we wouldn't even... I, I, and I'm not even saying like politically incorrect stuff. There was a Phil Hartman sketch where it's I him that, him and Jane Curtin in a car, and there's these zombies start coming around like that, and they're like, oh my God, the zombies are going to get us because they're making out. And the zombies are like, keep going. And this thing flashes up on the screen. Night of the masturbating zombies. <laughs> and it's a hilarious concept. And I think they wouldn't do that now. I think that would be too edgy. No, they'd be afraid of it that. It wouldn't be politically incorrect, though. It would no. just be too gross. Like, oh, yeah. no, we're not There'd doing a sex thing. Yeah. There'd be complaints. Yeah. Speaking of zombies, I finally started watching The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, It's slow. It. How, how far into it are well, you? I'm like still in the first season. Yeah. Like I'm oh, just, really? Yeah, if you don't like the first season, started. just stop watching it. I'm just getting started. and uh, I'm telling like you right it's, now. It's interesting, yeah. but uh, it's just slow. Like I can't, I, I find myself wanting to stop. 
And then I'm like, then, no, I'm going to force myself to keep watching to, it. You don't need to watch something just because everybody else. I stopped watching it years ago yeah. because I love the first season. Uh, the second season was pretty good. And it just couldn't, like, I just eventually just kind of, eh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting. The first couple episodes really grabbed me and I was like, oh, man. Yeah. And it's just, it's slow. And, and like, they've just, in, uh, they've just gotten to the CDC mm-hmm. and I don't care. The, the progression of that show is much like a zombie because it just kind of, at first, <laughs> you're a zombie and you're probably not yeah. that gross yet and your body isn't falling apart and you're just kind of like, ooh, and then you're walking along and then suddenly you just start <laughs> slowing down you lose the leg here. You haven't got your brain yet. Um, oops. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. I thought I hit the space bar. But I did not. Okay. I mark that so I can go back to it later. Uh, music facts. Excuse me. Mark there. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Music, music facts. Sounds of silence. Or okay. the sound of silence. I'm sorry. The sound yes, of silence. Yes. It was a Sudafed. Uh Sound of silence. Wait, Simon... you didn't take Sudafed. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of things. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel's uh, first big hit. Great song. And uh, it was on their first album, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. But it failed miserably when it was first released. Really? They released the album, and they were on Capitol Records. This wasn't some indie label they were on. The... Album only sold 2,000 copies. So when the album tanked, Simon and Garfunkel, it was so bad, they actually split up. Really? But the producers and people at Capitol, this is kind of crazy because you would never hear of a record label doing this now. They go, yeah, it failed. We're done. Okay. We thought it'd be good, guys, but see you later. We got plenty of people in the wings. It's fine. These people, the people at Capitol and the, the producer and the engineer on the album went, no, 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 no. These guys have something. This is stupid. We're not just going to let this go. So they went back into the song and added drums and uh, electric guitar to it. Was it was it acapella before? It was just acoustic guitars. Oh, okay, it's just a folk okay, song. Yeah. It's just them singing and Paul yeah, 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 uh, yeah, strumming yeah. a guitar. And then when they released that, all of a sudden, the song blew up. A huge hit. A huge hit for them. And Simon and Garfunkel had to get back together. Uh, which sucks for Art Garfunkel, because can you imagine the solo career that guy would have had? <laughs> Not in music, but in hairstyling. <laughs> in hairstyling. In hairstyling alone. I do love that song. Uh, so yeah, they they're and Paul Simon's obviously and they, a fantastic and by the way, songwriter. The funny thing about it is Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel had no idea that this was going on. They had no idea. Like all of really, a sudden, the they turn on the radio was... and they hear their song with all these electrical, and they're like, "What the hell is this?" And, you ruined it. Yeah, you ruined it, but nope, they fixed it, and then they got back together and obviously had the amazing career that they have now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty cool. In fact, when- I can't imagine, it, like you said, a record company No, God no. Even if you're like, yeah, it did okay, but we were really hoping you'd hit this mark and you didn't, so go home. Well, two, two differences is, one, the record company would have shoved it down everybody's throats. Well, now, there's that. if they really yeah. believed in it, that they would be like, no, 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 this is going to be a big thing. Uh, Paul Simon's real cute, and uh, Art Garfunkel looks like your grandma. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you, people are going to love this. People are going to love them. It's going to work. To, you're going to have to play it. You have to play it, or we're not giving you anything else. We're not going to give you any other songs to play right. on your stupid station, so forget it. Or they would have bought people off. Um, but they didn't do that. In that fact, doesn't happen. Never. In fact, when the song was number one, Paul Simon was in England, and Art Garfunkel went back to college. Really? So they had to drop everything they were doing, get back together, and go on tour. <laughs> What's your music fact? Uh, my music fact is, uh, 
I wanted to talk about Black Sabbath just a little bit, and not necessarily the band. Here's the thing: I went in to see Black Sabbath the other night, and it was blown away. It was a great live show. Um, I have seen, had seen Ozzy a few times in my life, but never seen Black Sabbath. And uh, I mean, they're the godfathers of heavy metal. I mean, you can't deny that. And I remembered why I liked them so much. You know what I mean? I, I, I was just blown away. It was a great show. Ozzy sounded amazing. Sounded better than I've heard him sound in a long time. And the show itself was fantastic. But I got to thinking about it. Uh, I have a good friend of mine whose daughter is into metal. She likes the old metal. She likes the Motley Crue and the Ozzy and the stuff. And so I'm constantly talking to her about music. And I was trying to explain to her that Black Sabbath scared the shit out of people. And the thing that gets me is their first album, which is called Black Sabbath, and has the great song NIB on it, was recorded in October of 1969 in a day. <laughs> so in October of 1969 in England, these guys went into the studio and spent one whole day and recorded an entire album. They didn't do crap. Very few things did they do twice. They just did their live show. So in October of 1969... Woodstock happened. So you had Joan Baez whining about Michael rowing his boat ashore and all this folk music crap. Now, don't get me wrong. I like some folk music. I like Simon and Garfunkel. I like Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. Mm -hmm. But no, Young's okay for a Canadian. For a Canadian. Right. But a lot of folk music is awful. Joan Baez is awful. Yeah. that I don't understand why anybody ever listened to that horrible Joan bitch. Baez kind of sounds like somebody singing while they're terrified. She, she's like, awful. It, like singing at, and she's a bitch. It's like hearing somebody sing while their son is being held at gunpoint and being told, "If you don't hit that really high note again yeah. and again and again, I'm gonna blow this kid's head off." Ah! <laughs> oh God! So, anyways, Where have all the floors gone? So, in 1969, Black Sabbath is laying down these amazing tracks. And then in in uh, like early 70, the album actually comes out. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't like immediately gold and all that, but it started this whole heavy metal thing, man, this whole singing about the devil and and just this grinding, brutal guitar and bass. And it's Black Sabbath. It's amazing. But I, I pulled up just because I, I wanted to give you like, like a comparison. In 1969, according to the Billboard Top 100, Sugar Sugar by the Archies was number one. <laughs> Aquarius, let the sun shine in. Number two, I can't get you next to me by the Temptations. Don't know. Number three, I love the Temptations. Honky though. Tonk Women by the Rolling Stones is mm -hmm. number four. Number five, Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stones. See what I'm saying here? I mean, and in 1970, when the album actually came out, the number one song, hold on, let me get to it. Where is it? Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> They're singing about the devil. Yeah. Like not, ooh, that's bad. That's the devil. No, like the actual Satan raping children kind of devil. It, like not the uh, <laughs> uh, Mick Jagger up on stage at Altamont. The same year devil. that the number two song was Close to You by the Carpenters. <laughs> Black Sabbath put out NIB. Yeah, but you know. The the same year that Marilyn Manson was huge, Hanson 
had the number one hit. Though I always said well, that we all know that Hanson was a much better band. Right, much better. <laughs> I always said that Marilyn Manson should open for Hanson. <laughs> just Mar- they should join Marilyn the band, Hansen. and it should be Marilyn Hanson. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would be perfect. I, and I because I don't imagine the band Hanson with Marilyn Manson as their singer. I think at the time Hanson was big enough, and and Marilyn Manson was not well known enough that it would just been weird it for would people. Umbop, go fuck yourself. Umbop, Antichrist. Umbop, Antichrist. Yeah, but Black Sabbath was was great because. They're one of those bands that, and a lot of bands who make it big, make it big not because they're necessarily great. Don't get me wrong, Black Sabbath is great, but there's a lot of great bands that don't make it. Oh, yeah. But they, they, they realize, much like the Beatles realize, we need to have a style. We need to have uh, an image that we're putting out to people. The Sex Pistols did the same thing. Interpol did the same thing. Let's let's like make everything black lit and dark right. and, and have black suits on. And the Beatles knew, okay, we'll all have the same haircut and everything like that. It, well, it, I'm amazed at, at talent anyways and yeah. creativity in general. I understand and I get hearing something on the radio or on a record and going, wow, that's awesome. I, I want to make music like that. Mm-hmm. But to sit down and go... All this stuff I hear is shit. I want to make music, but I don't want it to sound like anything else. Yeah. That amazes me. Yeah. That kind of Ramones, Stooges. Sex Pistols, Stooges, that kind of uh uh Lou Reed, you know, that that drive, that Sabbath, you know, to to go, yeah, music's great. That's not what I want to do. Right. I want to make something different. I want to make something angry. I want to make something, you know, whatever it is. That blows me away. That creativity to come up with that and follow it through to the point of I don't care if only twenty seven people showed up to our last show. Our last show was fucking awesome. Right. But that's the problem is when you do that, there's a lot of casualties from that. Oh yeah. In, in the music world. I mean that's that's why Kurt Cobain Cobain Yes. I remember him. Sudafed. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's why Kurt Cobain blew his head off was because he never thought he was gonna get past grunge and right. everything like that. So on that note. Ha ha ha!